Quick reminder, any of the visuals or photographs or videos you hear referenced in the episode, you can always go to steadyfocused.com and you can do a quick search for that episode and then you can visually see what you're hearing me reference in the podcast. I appreciate you guys. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. This episode is all about understanding and demystifying exposure and the exposure triangle. You can do it. Come on. So it's another great day in Wichita Falls, Texas, another great day in North Texas. I love seeing you guys again, even if it's straight through the lens. I love you. Thank you guys for tuning in. Quick shout out. I want to give some love to Chris Hogan. He was doing some major sharing on the last episode. And Kristen, my lady that works with us at Hager Communications, she pulled me aside and and just really shared with me how the last episode, Systems, the Golden Keys to Unlocking Our Next Level. It it really felt great, and I really appreciated that, Kristen, that you pulled me aside and you told me how that episode really played into your your current um, work cycle and how you were able to take away from that. So there we go, steady focused, changing my life and changing your life together. That's just incredible, and I love it. So this episode, we are going to really break down an intimidating monster. It's called exposure. Insert nail-biting music here. Ah, Exposure. I'll tell you guys, uh, I've been shooting for quite a while now, and exposure was something that was intimidating, and it was something that I just could not wrap my brain around. You know, I heard it, and I was actually getting exposure correct, but I did not understand what it meant, and I sure as heck did not even want to go near the exposure triangle. Is that the Bermuda Triangle? Come along with me. Take a deep breath. Get your notes out, because today's going to be action-packed. We're going to go to school, and we're going to break down this monster into easily digestible, memorable nuggets of juicy knowledge. Episode one, we talked about light, okay? Photography and filmmaking are all about light. Great, we've got the light. Exposure is controlling the light, controlling the amount of light that's coming in through the lens and landing on the sensor or your film, okay? That's exposure. And we can control the exposure through two adjustments inside of our camera. There's a third one, but we'll get to that in just a moment. There's really, there's two ways that your camera will naturally adjust the light that is coming in, adjust the natural light that's coming in, okay? One of those is called your aperture or your f-stop, and the other one is called shutter speed. Now listen guys, we're getting technical, okay? We're walking the technical road, but you can do this. You've heard underexposed, you've heard overexposed. Overexposed is where the, you take the picture and everything gets kind of blown out, and it's really white, 
and you don't have any of the definition that you were seeking in that picture. Then you have underexposed, and that's where your shot is very black, it's very dark, and you, you didn't get the information that you wanted. So there's a happy medium, which is the correct exposure. Something that has really helped me to grasp and wrap my mind around the way the camera works is to draw a direct comparison from the camera and the lens to the human body. So the lens would be comparable to the human eye and the camera body is our brain. This is a cool experiment. Go stand in your mirror in your, in your bathroom, okay? Maybe you guys did this in elementary when you were learning about how the body works. Stare into the mirror, okay? You've got the light on and you notice how your pupil is, the black dot inside of your eye. If all your lights are on, it's probably pretty small depending on how bright your, um, your, the room is, your bathroom. Now do this, turn the light off. Okay, you're in total pitch black. Now turn the light back on. Keep staring into the mirror. Now watch what happens. Your pupil, when it's very dark, it's trying to let in as much light as it can possibly get in. So your pupil gets as big as it can get because when it's that big, all of this light is coming in. It's searching for information. It's trying to bring light in. Then when you flip the light on, woo, what does it do? It squints, it gets small, and then it shrinks down. Okay, because it's saying, okay, too much light, too much light, let's get really small. The lens is the exact same way, but instead of talking about the pupil, we're talking about the aperture. It's the same thing, aperture, f-stop, human pupil. Okay, just like with our eye, when we're using our camera and we want to get more light in to get the correct exposure, one thing we can adjust is the aperture. And, whenever, and so these are numbers like F, 2.8, F, 3.5, all the way up to F, 22. When it's very dark, very dark, and I, and I need to bring in a bunch of light, bunch of light, bunch of light, and I'm going to take my aperture and open it up all the way, okay? So my pupil is this big, right? So I got tons of light coming in. It's great. This also means that I'm gonna have a very shallow depth of field. So when you see the high blur behind somebody, that means that the aperture is wide open, okay? It's a very large aperture, okay? So it'd be like a f2.8. If it's super bright, very bright, and you only wanna get just a little bit of light coming in, and you close it down, close it down, then your, your depth of field is going to be very broad. So Almost everything from, you know, the first, second, third layers, it's all going to be in focus. Okay, so that's the trade-off with aperture. So that's aperture. That's f-stop. That's the pupil, okay? So now let's take a look at shutter speed, the other way to control the exposure. Shutter speed controls the amount of time that the light stays on the sensor or the film. And the longer the shutter speed, the more motion that's going to come into it. So that's when we start seeing things like motion blur or if in nighttime photography, if you see the, the, uh, the tracers of a car's taillights when it's driving through the city, that's called a long exposure. And so, okay, why, why long exposure? 
because the shutter speed was open for a very long amount of time to allow a lot of light coming in. And when the shutter is open and all this light's coming in, all the movement is being burned into the sensor or to the film. Conversely, if we have a shutter speed that's very quick, okay, it's very bright and we just want to let in just a little bit of light, bam, just a snap of a finger, just, then that is going to affect the movement to like almost stop time. So if someone's throwing a ball straight at the camera, they're pitching it and then it just freezes, that will freeze time because it's a very fast shutter speed. Here's a fun experiment. Take your camera and shoot some video of running water, okay? Now let's adjust the shutter speed and notice when we have a very long shutter speed, okay? Look how the water is all kind of running together. Now, when we have a very fast shutter speed, very quick, okay? Look how the water almost breaks into particles. So shutter speed controls exposure, controls the amount of light coming into the camera, and it affects movement. Aperture controls exposure, controls the amount of light coming in and out of a camera, and it affects the focus area. So you have basically four questions you gotta ask yourself at every shoot. Okay, do I want a long blur? Do I want to stop time? Do I want a very shallow depth of field where everything is blurry behind the person, behind that focus area? Or do I want everything in focus? So you got to ask yourself those questions when you're setting up for a shot and then pick which one of those are your most important. So like, okay, I'm doing night photography and I want to get that long blur. Then I go ahead and set that one first it's a push and pull between aperture and shutter speed so you can get the correct exposure. Okay, so you say, Simeon, I get it, okay? Thank you so much. You've introduced aperture to me. You've introduced shutter speed to me. Now what? Big deal. What does this mean? How do I even track between the two how they correlate with each other? And the way that we do this is through a light meter, okay? In every Every camera nowadays that comes out, there's a light meter right on the inside of your camera. And it's, you see that? That's what that thing is at the bottom of your viewfinder. Fun fact, I did not know what that was at the bottom of the viewfinder until about a year ago. But guys, that's the key right there. So that is gonna help us get the correct exposure. So you look down in that bar right there and it shows a zero, uh, plus one, plus two, plus three, and then it has a zero, negative one, negative two, negative three. So that tells you if you're overexposed or underexposed. Now, I told you there was one other way to adjust your, the light that's coming into the camera, right? We have aperture, we have shutter speed. There's one other thing, but this is an artificial adjustment by the camera, okay? And it's called ISO. And this is the amount of sensitivity on the sensor or on the film uh, to the light. It's the sensitivity to the light coming into the, the sensor or the film, okay? And you can adjust this, and the trade-off with ISO is noise. And these three controls, aperture, shutter speed and ISO, they're a push and pull, and they all come together to create the exposure triangle, okay?
So exposure is controlling the amount of light that enters the lens. And now we know that we can control that by adjusting our aperture, which is the f-stop, or the pupil. We can adjust the shutter speed, which controls the amount of time the light is going in, and that's going to also affect what? The movement, that's right. And then the third one is the ISO, which is artificially adjusting the sensitivity of the film or the sensor. Guys, this concept of exposure, aperture, shutter speed, and ISO, I know it can be intimidating, possibly it can be, but let me tell you, these, these key terms are the foundation, are the basis of everything. In every shot you will ever do for the rest of your life, as long as the camera continues to work in the way that it does now. And this, this three triad, this triangle of exposure, this is how cameras have worked since they were first created. And unless something drastically changes that I cannot foresee, this is how cameras are going to work until your great-grandson is shooting the cover of Time Magazine or Vogue, okay? So there you go, guys. That's it. Understanding demystifying exposure and the exposure triangle. I know there was a ton of information in here. There was a lot of keywords. There was a lot of vocabulary. So let's keep the conversation going. If you have additional questions, I want to hear from you. Leave a comment below. Message me. Go to steadyfocused.com slash contact. Send me an email. Guys, I want to hear from you. I want to learn with you. I want to grow with you. Keep the two-way conversation going. One thing you can do to help me out that I would greatly appreciate, please leave a comment, like it, and share it. I, that helps me, guys, tremendously. Please, please do that. I need your help. I'm thankful to be alive, and I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in and, and letting me share a little bit of my life with you. Until next time, I'm Simeon Hendricks, and this is Steady Focused. Guys, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Now we're going to go into one of my favorite segments of Steady Focused. We're going to go into feeding our brain, final thoughts. And of course, this is where I discuss with you audiobook or book or podcast or, or video that I've consumed over the last week because I think it, 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 you can gain a lot from it, okay? So during this past week, I, I listened to, on Audible, from Brene Brown, it's called The Power of Vulnerability. If you guys don't know about Brene Brown, check her out. She is just, uh, she's incredible. She is, uh, she's a researcher, um, but her, her background is in social work. She's a PhD. Uh, she's been on TED Talks. She's released, I don't know, three or four books that are on the New York Times bestsellers. And in her point of view, her vantage point that she talks about specifically for these last 13 years, she talks about vulnerability and shame. This lesson has taught me the difference between sympathy 
and empathy. The difference between feeling sorry for someone and feeling sorrow with someone. The difference between asking my five-year-old son to, oh, get over it, it's not that big of a deal, to getting in touch with my five-year-old self, remembering what it was like when I was five years old and somebody hurt me in the way that he had been hurt. And remember how difficult those things for were to me, those moments that made me cry, even though it's 30 years later. You know, It's about getting on the level with someone and feeling their pain, okay? To say this as powerful as an understatement, enlightening, that's probably the, a better, more appropriate term. And guys, I just strongly recommend that you all check this book out. Listen, listen to this. It's called The Power of Vulnerability. Brene Brown has, like I said, three or four books that are on the New York Times bestseller list. I'm sure you can check out any one of those books and you're going to gain somewhat of a similar insight. Brene Brown, The Power of Vulnerability. It's about relationships and understanding the way that we interact with each other.